Welcome to the Peckway Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. At Peckway, our mission is to transform lives by connecting people with God and with each other. It's our hope that this message will give you hope and encourage you to take the next step in your journey with Christ. For more information about our services and weekly ministries, visit us at peckwaychurch.com. Praising Him for His goodness, His mercy, and His love. Let's sing out to Him as He awakens us. There were walls between us. By the cross, You came and broke them down. You broke them down. There were chains around us, by your grace we are no longer found, no longer found. You call me out of the grave, you call me into the light, you call my name and then my heart came alive. Your love is greater, your love is stronger, your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Your love is greater.
Are you awake this morning? Go ahead and have a seat as we, uh, as we are kicking it off here today. Thank you so much for being here at Pequay Church. My name is Scott Munson. I'm the worship pastor. It's always a joy and a privilege to be with you and to sing praises to our God together. Inside of your bulletin is a great connection card. I'm going to invite you to go ahead and take that out online. You're going to find a connect link there in the chat window. You might have to minimize to find that if you're doing full screen. But uh, that's our electronic uh, way of also being able to connect this morning. But simply fill that any time. I'm sorry, simply fill that out any time during today's service. And then you can uh, give that back to us at the end. There's a box at the back of the room. You can drop those in. And of course, you can digitally just hit submit and that'll come right to us. But this is just a great way that we can uh, connect with one another. You're, you're able to write prayer requests. If you feel comfortable doing that, you can ask questions about Peckway Church. You can find out what ministries we have here, uh, a job, not jobs, but volunteer opportunities. You just There's many, many things you could do with that card. And so I encourage you to fill that out today. As we are beginning our new series, we are starting 40 Days of Community. And we kind of gave you an overview last week. And so we're going to start that first sermon today. And we're going to talk about being together, what it looks like uh, to be together and how important that is. Have you ever been, uh, say, you had to do something all by yourself and it was so scary, but yet... If you did that same thing with a group of people, your confidence was built, right? You felt a lot more comfortable doing that because you had a group of people around you that were helping to encourage you or to inspire you. And that's just the same thing that we can do together as Christians as we study together, as we serve together, as we come together. And so let's watch this quick video just to remind us of some of those things that we can do better together. today is how we can do those things better together. And so I look forward to doing that. And as Pastor Jerry shares, us, uh, shares with us this morning about those things. I'm going to invite you to stand once again. We introduced a new song last week, Child of Love. And so we're going to sing that together again. But it reminds us of who we are in Jesus, that we are called children of God. All the lies I believed in 
left me crying like the rain. Then I saw lightning from heaven, and I've never been the same. I'm gonna climb a mountain, I'm gonna shout about it. I am a child of love. I found the world of freedom. I found the friend of Jesus. I am a child of love. I felt the sting of the fire, but I saw you in the flames. Just when I thought it was over. dearly loved and he loves us so fiercely and that's what we're going to continue singing about this morning and you know we're going to sing a lot of songs about hurricanes and so I'm reminded of that and I don't want to be insensitive because I know that hurricanes uh, here recently have devastated a lot of people's lives and so as we sing this let's think about not only God's love but also his provision and pray for the people that have been affected by hurricanes. And when I planned this, this was before that ever happened, but I don't think it's a, it's a surprise to God. So let's worship him 
thanking him for his love today. Hurricane that I can't escape. Tear me through the 
pray with me? Father, we thank you for your love that is unchanging, that is unfailing, that is a solid rock. And today, as we are here in your presence, God, as we've sang these songs about your love, and God, how um, it's your love that joins us together, and that your love is what compels us to do the things that we're going to hear about today, and Father, to share with others your great love. And so we thank you for that today, God. We celebrate that uh, as we've sung, and now open our hearts, our minds, our ears to hear your words, Father, today as we see how we can be better together. And we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning and welcome to the kickoff of 40 Days of Community. And what we're going to do in a nutshell is we are going to learn together how not only to experience the kind of love that we just talked about, the love of God in our hearts and our lives, but just as importantly, we're going to learn how to share that with the people in our community. And guys, can I get you to bring the house lights up for me? Thank you. Nope, that's okay. <laughs> Just want to be able to see these faces here this morning. So I'm going to invite you, if you haven't already, take out your message notes. And as you do that, I, I want to tell you, be honest with you right up front, that we're going to kick off this series with what I could only call a countercultural message. And the reason I say it's countercultural, because what we're going to see, I think you're going to see as we go through this message today, is God's call on your life and mine into community is actually a call that flies in the face, flies in the exact opposite direction of what most of us have been taught to believe. And what I mean by that specifically is God is going to call us into a community, and in that community, if we answer that call, you and I are going to be able to find that we are able to replace loneliness and fear and despair and frustration with genuine hope and love. So the question we need to ask is, what have we been taught? If I said this flies in the face of what we've been taught, so what have we been taught? And here's what I suggest to you most of us have been taught. We have been taught to idolize independence, to idolize independence. And that makes sense to me, at least, as Americans, because after all, this nation was birthed by a declaration of independence. And as a result, what we have been taught and what we've bought into is a myth that tells us that happiness is found in self-sufficiency, that happiness is found in our independence. And so what do we do as young Americans? We set out to, to seeking financial independence and professional independence, and many today are even seeking relational independence. And we chase after those things thinking that that self-sufficiency is going to produce happiness in our life but it doesn't. In fact, as a result of that, we see the issues of loneliness and despair and even suicide just continuing to rise in our country, and here's why. Because God didn't create us to live as solitary individuals. He created us to live in community. That's why Paul wrote this, the very first verse on your outlines, Romans chapter 2, verse 5. Here's what we read from the New Living Translation. It says, since we all are one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the other. I want you to underline that last phrase, each of us needs all the others. In other words, what we need to get from that, what Paul is saying to us, is community is not optional. We may tell ourselves, you know what, I don't need anyone else in my life to be happy. I, I'm happy, completely happy all by myself. But here's the truth, folks. If we're going to be who God created us to be, we need other people in our lives. 
Because as I said at the start of the series last week, and I've been saying even through the last series, that God created you and he created me to fulfill five purposes in life. And you and I cannot fulfill those purposes alone. The only way we can fill those purposes, we need to do it in community, specifically in the community of God, in the local church. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to begin our 40-day journey by looking at why we need each other. I'm going to give you five reasons why you and I need other people in our lives. And be more specific than that, I'm going to share with you why you and I need other people in our lives in the form of a small group. That what we're doing here is wonderful and fine, but folks, the large group worship and large group instruction is not enough. We need small group relationships. And so let's just get started. This morning, the first reason you and I need others is because we need others to walk with us. We need others to walk with us. And as you fill that in, let me explain that. What I'm really saying here is we need other people to help us grow spiritually. We need brothers and sisters to help us grow spiritually. That's why Paul wrote this, just as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Now, if you're familiar with the New Testament, you know that many, many times in the New Testament, the Christian life, or life in general, is compared to a walk. And that's because life is a journey. You know that, and I know that. And so the New Testament, we're told things like this, we're to walk in wisdom, we're to walk in humility. We're to walk in love. We're to walk in the light. We're told in the New Testament, folks, that we are to walk in the Spirit and walk in obedience. But you know, one thing we're never told to do in the New Testament is to walk alone. We're never instructed to live life, to do life, to try to be a follower of Jesus on our own. Instead, what we're taught is we are to do those things in community, in deep, meaningful relationship. But maybe you're thinking to yourself, if you're an extreme introvert or just don't like people, and those two are not synonymous, I'm not trying to imply that. But you may be thinking to yourself, but I like walking alone. I, I enjoy my own company, and quite honestly, you know, when I walk alone, I could set my own pace. And the reality is, folks, we might prefer to walk alone because of our personal pace and maybe even for personal space. But the reality is, if we want to live the life that God created us to live, if we want to fulfill His purposes in our lives, then we have to do it together. We need to walk in a community. Let me prove to you this, or at least I hope to prove to you, and go back to the very beginning, because this isn't something I made up. This isn't something that just came along. In the very beginning, if you'll remember, if you're familiar with the creation account, that God created Adam, and then He put him in a perfect scenario. He put him in paradise. He put him in the Garden of Eden. And you know, the very first thing God said after he did that, after he created Adam and he put him in this perfect environment, God said it's not good for man to be alone. That's what we read in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. God says it is not good for man to be alone. So what did we do? God created a companion. He created Eve. And in doing that, what we see is God created the very first community, the physical family that he created for the purpose of our good, for the purpose of of our happiness. But there are two communities. The second community, interestingly enough, we read about in Acts chapter 2. The first one's in Genesis chapter 2. The second is in Acts chapter 2. And we read about this second community God created for our good and for our happiness, and it's called the church. And if you're not familiar with the story, I want to encourage you to go this afternoon and read the first chapter or two of Acts and really begin to understand the birth of the church. But I want you to notice what the writer to the Hebrews said about this this second community. He said this, let us see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out. 
Not avoiding worship together as some do, but spurring each other on. And let me be clear, let's let make sure that we understand that when he wrote that, he had in mind more than what we're experiencing right here and right now. Really, what he had in mind, folks, was a small community, a small group. And here's why, folks, because this, what we're experiencing right now, is more of a crowd than it is a community. I mean, the reality is, in a group this size, even this size, it's impossible for us to do exactly what the, the Hebrew writer said. It's impossible for us in any kind of measurable or meaningful way this morning to help one another, to encourage one another, and to spur one another on in the faith. Now, we can greet one another, we can be friendly with one another, but to actually live in to the commandments, to the directives that the Hebrew writer gave us, we really need to do that in a small group. Because as I said, there are too many of us here, even this morning, to be able to talk to one another, let alone do those other three things. And that's why when you read the book of Acts, and I encourage you to do if you're not familiar with it, that what you see from the very beginning is the very first Christians did two things. They met together in the temple courts, and they met together from house to house. In other words, they, early Christians understood through the Spirit that they needed large group worship and instruction as well as small group care and discipleship. They understood it took both to grow spiritually. So we write this down. Community is God's answer to loneliness. Community is God's answer to loneliness. And again, by community, what I'm referring to is a place where you and I can be together with a group of four, six, eight, or maybe even ten, and in that context receive personal care, personal encouragement, and yes, even personal challenges and corrections. Because the answer to the epidemic that we're seeing in loneliness today in our culture and even in the church, folks, is not greater attendance at church events and church services. It's greater engagement in small group communities. In small groups where we're able to love and be loved, known and be known, where we're in a group with a people of four, six, eight, or ten who are deeply committed to walking with us through life, deeply committing to helping us follow and serve Jesus. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. If you haven't already, and it's not too late, if you haven't already, folks, I want to encourage you today, right now, take out that gray connect card that Scott pointed to earlier and check the box on the back that says, My 40-Day Commitment is to join a small group. I want to encourage you to do that because if you'll do that, Pastor Chris will follow up with you this week and help you get into a group so you'll miss a single week of these 40 days. I want to encourage you to do that. But if you do that, I want to beg you, and even if you've already done that, please do not stop there. Because I want to encourage you, that is not all. If we're going to live and fulfill these five purposes, here's the other thing I want you to do. I want you to invite a friend. I want you to invite friends, family members, co-workers to join your small group. And here's why. You say, Jerry, why would I do that? It, it isn't because I'm asking you. It's because of how God created us. Here's the reason I'm asking you to do that. Because inside each and every one of us is a longing for belonging. Would you believe that? Do you agree with that, folks? In every one of us, we long to belong. That's why people, again, and I remember as a young college student, my professor pointed out to me, that is the very reason why people join cults. The number one reason people leave evangelical churches and join cults is for a longing to belong. It's the reason some of us give ourselves to some, what we might even call even crazy causes, because again, we long to belong. We want to be a part of a group that knows us, cares about us, and we feel like family being a part of. 
And here's how I want to help you do that. In your program, if you will, I want you to open it up right now, your bulletin, and I want you to find two cards in it that look like this. Two cards that say 40 Days of Community. They're invite cards to your small group. And on the back, you can fill out the address of your small group. You can put a phone number. You can put your name. And I want to encourage you to take these, fill these out, and then do this, folks. I want you to give it to two people that you care about. Two people in your life you care about who do not know Jesus. They may be coworkers, they may be friends, they may be family, they may be neighbors. But I encourage you to take those and give them to the people this week because, again, everyone has a longing for belonging. And I don't want you to miss allowing the people you care about and the people you love the opportunity to learn and to experience, to experience what genuine biblical community is all about. So the first reason you need me and I need you is because we need each other to walk together. Let me give you the second one. The second reason we need each other is because we need others to work with us. We need others to work with us. Paul wrote this, God made us to do good works, which he planned in advance for us to live our lives doing. Now, you probably know this, but in case you don't, let me just tell you this. Anytime you and I use the gifts the abilities, the talents God has given us to serve others and to honor God, folks, that is called ministry. That's the good works that Paul had in mind when he said he has created us and created you and me to do good works. It's ministry. But here's the thing. We need to know God does not intend for us to do those good works. God does not intend for us to do ministry alone. And let me share with you real quick two reasons why. There are many more, but let me just give you two quick reasons. You can just jot these somewhere on the side of your outline. The first is because your work and my work, your ministry and my ministry, in the totality of God's mission are very small parts. They're very small segments of the total ministry, and so if the mission or the ministry of God is going to be accomplished, we need others to do their part. We need to come together. That's why Solomon said this, two people are better than one because they get more done by working together. So that's the first reason we need to do ministry together and not alone. The second reason is this, and it's a practical reason. It's a logical reason. It's because when we all do our part, folks, you know what happens? Nobody gets overloaded. Nobody becomes frustrated, and ultimately no one burns out in ministry. And yet you know as well as I do, and it isn't just here, it's many, many places, folks. The reality is in the typical church, in the typical organization, the typical soccer club, 80% of the people do 20% of the work. And I'm going to tell you in the context of the church, folks, that neither pleases God nor honors God, because God's plan is that we all do our work together. We all do those good works, our ministry, together. And just as a side, since we're on it, folks, nowhere in Scripture do we see God ever retires the spiritual gifts and the abilities He's given us when we reach a certain age. In fact, take, go back and look at that verse again. It says, what Paul tells us very clearly is God made us to do good work, which he planned in advance for us to, now underline this, live our lives doing. In other words, as long as I have breath in my lungs, as long as you have breath in your lungs, God has good works for us to do. God has ministry for us to do. Now, certainly as we grow older, that changes, and it looks different. But folks, as long as there's breath in our lungs, God wants us to live our lives ministry, live our lives doing good works. So write this down. The second line there for you, the blank line is this. Community is God's answer to fatigue. Community is God's answer 
to fatigue. Because, folks, the reality is when you do your part and I do my part, it lightens the load on all of us. And not only that, just as significant, folks, when you do your part and I do my part, when we do our ministry together, that God's mission can be accomplished. God's mission in the world can be fulfilled. Well, let me give you the third reason. We need each other. You need me and I need you. And that's because we need others to watch out for us. We need others to watch out for us. In other words, we need others to watch our back and keep us on track spiritually. So we're talking not only encouragement, folks, we're also talking accountability. That's why Paul said this, look out for one another's interests, not just your own. And yet we live in a world today, don't we, where everyone and everything seems to tell us, look out for yourself, look out for number one and forget about everyone else. Don't worry about their interests. And yet 2,000 years ago, God had Paul write a corrective to that. He knew we were going there. In fact, he knew the human heart was already there. And so God directed Paul to say, don't look out just for your own interests. Look out for the interests of other people too. Now, let me ask you a practical question. When you leave town, maybe for a day or maybe for a couple of weeks, do you ever call the neighbors and maybe go by the neighbor's house and, and say to them, hey, I'm leaving town. We're going to be gone for a while. Would you mind keeping an eye on the place? Do you ever do that? Let me see your hands. I do it all the time. The neighbors do it as well. I love it. I don't know about you folks, but it encourages me to live in a neighborhood, even down down where I live in the south end of Lancaster County, to know that there are people looking, willing to do that for me. People look out for me and look out for my stuff. Now, here's the reason I ask you that. Is anyone doing that for your soul? Are you doing that for anyone's soul? You see, Jesus makes it very clear to us in the Gospels that our souls are far more important than our stuff. And and let me just give it to you. Here's what he says in Mark chapter 8. He says, what good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? What would you ever trade your soul for? Folks, the reality is, let me ask you an honest question. I've asked it myself all week long. Who are you keeping on spiritual track? Who do you love enough to say, I will not let you give up on the faith. I will not let you turn away from the faith. I will not let you do or say or be anything that will harm your witness or ruin your relationship with God. Is there anyone in your life you love enough to say that to? And the converse is that, is there anyone in your life that loves you enough to say that to you? I hope so. Because the reality is all of us need to not only give encouragement and give correction, but we need to receive encouragement and we need to receive correction and accountability. That's why the Hebrew writer said this. He said, keep being concerned about each other as the Lord's followers should. And he wrote that, folks, because we need not only to defend and and encourage one another, but we also need to keep one another on spiritual track. We need to keep one another growing. And that is not a one-and-done scenario. That's why the Hebrew writer said, keep on, keep on being concerned because it requires ongoing commitment and vigilance for you and I to do that for one another. That's why Paul tells us, don't become weary in doing good. We need to keep on being concerned about one another. Paul, rather Solomon said this, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three or even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. 
And folks, I don't know about you, but for me, I do not know a more practical picture of a biblically functioning small group than that verse right there. So again, let me ask you, men, are the men in your group or ladies, are the women in your group willing to say to you, we're not going to let you give up on the faith? And we're not going to let you give in to anything that will hinder your witness or harm your relationship with God. Do you love each other in your group at that kind of depth and that kind of intensity? Folks, if you don't have people in your life doing that, if you don't have people in your group doing that, then we need to understand we're doing life alone. We're doing life quite literally with a spiritual target on our back, and that's why Solomon counseled this. He says, if one person falls, another can reach out and help. But people who are all alone, when they fall, are in real trouble. And so we write this down, community is God's answer to defeat. Community, small group community, is God's answer to defeat. That's why we need each other looking out for one another. That's why we need each other encouraging and challenging one another. Because the fact is, there's challenges in your life and mine, folks, that are only be conquered if we team tackle them. If we tackle the issue, address the issue together in community. Well, let me give you the fourth reason we need each other. The fourth reason we need each other is because we need each other to wait with and weep with. We need each other to wait and weep with one another. And here I'm specifically referring to those times in your life and mine, times in human experience that no one should ever have to face alone. I'm talking about those times, and I've thought about these in my own life, I'm talking about those times in life when no one should ever have to stand at the edge of an open grave alone. I'm talking about those times where no one should ever have to wait for the funeral home to come and to pick up the body of a loved one who just passed. No one should ever have to wait alone while on the first night or maybe several nights, spend the first night or several nights alone after a husband or a wife walked out. And no one should ever have to wait alone in a waiting room at a hospital where a loved one or family member is going through life and death surgery. And I say, folks, that in light of that, I would say to you, the time to build that safety net of friendships and relationships is now. Because it's absolutely foolish to go through life when we know that something inevitably will happen. You say, Jerry, how do we inevitably know that those things are going to happen? Here's what I would say to you, folks. If you live long enough and we all live long enough, we may not know the exact day or the exact hour those things will happen, but if we live long enough, every single one of us will find ourselves standing at the foot of an open grave. Every one of us, if we live long enough, we either personally, ourselves, face a life and death surgery, or we will have a loved one facing life and death surgery. Folks, if we live long enough, those things are inevitable. And it, only a fool, and I don't mean that in any ugly way, but only it would be foolish for any of us to go all through our lives knowing those things are inevitable and not prepare for them. And so the time to prepare to face those kind of tragedies and crisis in your life and mine, folks, is now. And so we write this down, community is God's answer to despair. Community is God's answer to despair. Take a look at what Peter writes. He says, you should be like one big family full of sympathy toward each other. And again, what Peter has in mind there, folks, is a small group of four, six, eight, ten other believers. 
Folks, in those moments, in those tragedies of life, it, we don't need a group of 150 or even 50 to gather around us, but we do need four, six, eight, or maybe even 10 other believers, committed believers who are, would say to us, we care about you and you're not going to walk through the storm alone. We're going to be beside you in the storms of life. Because the reason Peter says that, folks, is because a family-sized group can, in meaningful and practical ways, weep with us and wait with us. A family-sized group as well can do what Paul instructs us to do there on your outline. He says, you know, if one member suffers, all suffer together. And then he writes in Romans, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. And folks, in a family-sized group, we can do that. For example, if someone in our group gets a promotion, we're small enough and close enough in that family-sized group to what? Celebrate it with them, right? Because we know firsthand, we've walked with them, we know exactly what she or he did to earn that or maybe didn't do that, and we're able to celebrate it together. Conversely, in a family-sized group, when someone receives tragic news, awful news, we're again small enough and close enough to be able to not only weep with them, but pray with them. Because again, in a crisis like that, if you've never faced one, I have, and I'll be honest with you, many have, the thing you need more than anything else in a crisis is to know you're not alone and someone's willing to walk through it with you. That you don't have to face it alone. And folks, again, in a family-sized group, one of the final advantages we have of facing tragedies like that in a community, a small group, is that those group members know us well enough to know how to practically and personally support us and encourage us. That's why Paul says this, encourage each other and strengthen each other. In a small group, we can do that because we really do know each other. We know the strengths, we know the weaknesses, we know the preferences, we know the fears, and we're able to work in them and around them to truly encourage and strengthen the person. So that's the fourth reason, folks, that we need each other so we could wait and, and weep together. The final reason we need each other is to witness together. The fifth reason we need others in our lives, you need them, I need them, is so we can witness together. We can, they can witness with us. Jesus made it very clear that the very best effort, evidence of your faith and my faith is not what we say, but what we do. Specifically, Jesus said, how we love one another. Take a look at what Jesus said, the verse I'm referring to. He said, your love for one another will prove to the world you're my disciples. Notice Jesus not say, your love for me, the love for your father, the love for your church. He said, the, your love for one another will prove to the world you are my disciples. In other words, Jesus said, what proves our community we know Jesus and love Jesus is how we interact with one another, how we love one another. We love the members of the family of God. In other words, what impresses them is when they're able to look at our interaction, look at our care and concern for one another and say, see how they love one another. Jesus said that's the number one proof of our faith, the substance of our faith. Paul told Timothy this, the Holy Spirit does not want you to be afraid of people, but, he, but be wise and strong and to love them and enjoy being with them. Now, a few weeks ago, I asked you the question, and I know it was a pointed question, but it was a sincere question. The question was this, will anyone be in heaven because of you? Now again, folks, as I said, I, I know that's a profound question. I know that's a pointed question. 
But the reason I bring it up again, because after that question, several of you share with me that you've really been thinking about that. You've really been asking yourselves, will someone be in heaven because of me? And so I want to encourage you and challenge you to do something. And what I want to challenge you to do is, again, take these two cards and give them to somebody you love, somebody you care about, who doesn't know Jesus. And then I want to encourage you, having done that, I want to encourage you to invite them to the services, and then I want you to begin to pray for them every day. And here's why. Because by doing those things, perhaps by the end of these 40 days, you can say, yes, someone will be in heaven because of me. And the reason why is because I didn't try to do it alone. Instead, I did it in community. I did it with my brothers and sisters. So I want you to write this last statement down. Community is God's answer to fear. Community is God's answer to fear. Paul wrote this. You are working together and struggling side by side to get others to believe the good news. Folks, there's no doubt about it. We do need other believers to walk with us. We need other believers to work with us. We need other believers to wait and weep with us. But folks, we also, also need them to witness with us. Because unless you and I do together the five purposes of the church, four is not enough, unless we do the five purposes together, which includes witnessing and evangelism, folks, then we're not fulfilling the mission. We're certainly not fulfilling the Great Commission. So I'm going to encourage you to repeat this after me. Would you say, I? Okay, that that was weak. Let's try again. I? There you go. I really? I really, really? I really, really need? A small group. And you know what that is, folks? That's our declaration of interdependence. And here's what I want you to do. If you're willing to own that declaration then right now, in fact, let's all do that. Let's just take out our gray connect card right now. And here's what I want you to do. If you're willing to own that declaration of interdependence, then I want you on the back of that card to check the box that says, my decision for these 40 days is to join a small group. It doesn't matter if you're already a part of a group, you've already signed up for a group, or whether you still need to join a group. If you're willing to make that declaration, then I want to encourage you to check that box. Because, folks, here's what I know. If you'll do that, and I'll do that, I promise you at the end of these 40 days, we will say to ourselves and maybe others, those 40 days of community were a turning point in my spiritual life. They were a turning point in the life of our church. I said to you last week, and I'll say it again, folks, I really believe with all my heart that God has you here and has me here for these 40 days of community because he wants to use us to reach and fulfill his mission in this world. And here's the thing, he doesn't want you and he doesn't want me watching from the sidelines. He wants us actively engaged on the front lines. He wants us to make it happen together. So yes, attend all six of these services. You've got one down already. And yes, read every one of the 40-day devotionals. And yes, by all means, pray for our community and pray for revival, folks. But don't leave out joining a small group. Because the reality is, folks, we do not learn and experience genuine community in isolation or even in a crowd. We learn community 
in a small group of committed and loving other believers. Let's bow for our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, I know in my heart, and I've heard many this week, we've agreed last week that it is time for the church to be the church so that a missional revolution can take place in our lives and in our community and in our world. And so, Father, at the very beginning of these 40 days of community, I want to ask you to help us personally and corporately live out all five purposes of the church so that we can see a spiritual awakening in our church, in our community, and in our world. Because more than anything else, Father, many of us believe that is what we need. And now I want to invite you to pray. Would you just say something like this? God, forgive me. For the times in my life, be them many or few, where I thought I didn't need other people to help me walk and grow in my spiritual journey. Father, today I'm saying to you, I have a burning heart's desire to be a part of what you want to do in our church and in our community and in our world. I'm tired of superficial relationships, in some ways even superficial Christianity. And so I want to learn through these 40 days how to love and be loved in deeper and more meaningful ways. Father, thank you for this place where we can belong and we can grow. Would you say, if it's appropriate, Father, I don't want to be a passive Christian anymore. So today, I'm committing myself to attending the rest of these worship services. I'm committing myself today to reading all 40 of the, of the devotionals. I'm committing myself today to pray for our community or pray for our church family. And I'm committing myself today to inviting family and friends and coworkers to be a part of this journey. But most of all, Father, today, I'm committing myself to joining a 40-day group, so I can experience real, genuine, biblical community. And then would you say, Father, would you bless our church and bless our community through our church as we go through this 40 days of community together? And we prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jerry. One of our core beliefs here at Peckway Church is that we care about the whole person, and uh, that's part of what this 40 Days of Community is about. As, uh, as I've been thinking through this and um, reflecting on it, you know, I was thinking about we're post-COVID, right? And, uh, but those effects of that are still very real. Um, there was loss of community, that loss of togetherness. And now we have the opportunity to be able to come together. Um, Mental Health America recently reported that in 2021, over 5.4 million people took a mental health screening, representing nearly a 500% increase over the number of people who completed one in 2019 and 103% increase over 2020. And of those who took the screening, 63% of those reported loneliness 
and isolation as one of the top three things that were contributing to mental health concerns. And maybe you're one of those people that took one of those assessments. Maybe you're still dealing with that. And um, this is one of those things that we can do to help combat that, that loneliness that we might be feeling, that loss of community and togetherness. So I want to encourage you to check off those boxes on the gray card this morning. You can do that online as well. But take that step. You know, one of the excuses that we can have is, I don't have time. And honestly, that was my excuse. I didn't have a small group. And uh, so we decided to start one. And um, that's what you have to do. You have to create time. You have to make time. We have time to do other things in our lives that we want to do. We have time to go out to eat or to spend with friends or go see a movie or go hiking or go camping. But this is something that has spiritual value. This is something that has eternal weight, eternal value. Because those other things, yes, they're great. It's great to create times of togetherness and times of memories, creating great memories. But the thing that's going to last is our soul, our, our eternal lives. And so if you don't have a small group, I encourage you, please come explore that today. Come out to the table, check out the books, talk to Pastor Chris, um, and see how you can get involved because it will change your life, I promise. And uh, so I encourage you to do that today. I thank you so much for being here this morning, worshiping together. Uh, again, that's always a joy, and I invite you back next week as we do it once again, and I hope you have a re the rest of your week. is great, so have a good day.